Dominic Lawton can be wild. Welcome to the Bad Movie Cult. Ken, I can't believe this episode's finally happening. <laughs> I'm not sure what's happening. What is happening? It's a film, and it's his first rendezvous with us on the podcast from director M. Night Shyamalan. Whoa, Black Betty. <laughs> <laughs> it's from the year, it's from the future, the year 2008. It you, is, of course... You've got the top cast in this as well. There's a top cast, you've got a top director, and what a film this isn't. <laughs> yes, it's, a, it's a, a Mark Wahlberg vehicle... The Happening. There appears to be an event happening. It's some kind of attack. The first stage is loss of speech. Claire. Claire? The second stage is physical disorientation. The third stage is fatal. I'm scared, Elliot. It's okay. The attacks are spreading. Boston, Philadelphia. Maryland. That's all over the country. Authorities are now feeling that a terrorist group being responsible is becoming less and less likely. She says everyone's dead outside. This is uh, M. Night's first R-rated film. Really? Yes. Okay. (laughs) He shot the film in sequence, and when he wrote the script, get this, Ken. Yeah. When he wrote the script, he wrote it with Mark... couldn't be bothered. He wrote it with Mark Wahlberg in mind for the lead role. Jesus Christ. What about his character in this film screams Mark Wahlberg? (laughs) If Mark Wahlberg didn't play it, you'd think... It's a bit of a Mark Wahlberg type character, this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that bit where he's got his Calvin Klein pants out above his jeans, that bit. That you bit, know, yeah. The Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch, that bit where they all talk about that band. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, it. that bit. You know, the, the bit where they say, isn't your brother Donnie Wahlberg? And you were there thinking, that oh, would have been better if it was Mark Wahlberg. He yeah, said that not too. Danny Glover. <laughs> <laughs> You're too old for this shit. <laughs> Anyway, let's crack into this. It's alive! It's alive! It's alive! In an interview, uh, after it was filmed, after it had finished, um, you know, shooting, and uh, just before the reviews for it came out, he stated that we are making an excellent B movie. Who said this? M. Night. Right, okay. He described it as a paranoia movie from the 1960s. 
along the lines of the birds, an invasion of the body snatchers, and the farce humour of the blob. He's named three classic films from that mm, era. I'm not sure I was thinking of any of those whilst I was watching this. He's very, very sure that he's made like an amazing like B-movie homage. Where in fact, is that what this is supposed to be? I only knew that I, from his Because uh, I'm watching quotes. this and I have got no idea what I'm supposed to be thinking in this. Yeah. And this, this is my first time I've ever seen it, by the way. I only watched it like two days ago for this. And yeah. uh, you're welcome, by the way. I, <laughs> I told somebody at work, right? Um, somebody, they, they said, oh, what are you watching tonight? It's in, in me break, obviously. I'm not just sat there watching films. And, uh, and I said, The Happening. And the other guy at work burst out laughing (laughs) that's the kind of impact this film's had on people yeah he burst out laughing and couldn't actually tell me why he was laughing for about three minutes because he was laughing so much at (laughs) me planning to watch this film yes (laughs) for the first time the thing is ken um i was going to save this till till the end when we do the wrap up but he says like the fast humor of the blob but like no, like he doesn't lean into anything like that. He doesn't lean enough into it being a B movie for you to think, oh, this is a B movie. No. He doesn't lean lean enough into humor to make you think, oh, it's like a farce humor. Like because the blob was campy as fuck. Yeah, the Steve there's, McQueen there's one. Nothing. There's nothing in this film. He he names all this shit, but then doesn't actually tilt towards it enough to, to the point that when they do do humor, you're like, that seems like out of place in this film. I hated it. Yeah, it's very odd. Anyway, we've got Mark Wahlberg. He plays Elliot Moore. Mark Wahlberg regrets working on this film. <laughs> as much as I regret watching it, Mark. He says, and I quote, You can't blame me for wanting to try to play a science teacher. At least I wasn't playing a cop or a crook. Which is fair enough, because thinking about it, that's the only films I've seen in many plays, either one of those um, two. Except Rockstar. Yeah, and... Uh, the one where he's got a dick. Yeah, where he's got a dick, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, whatever and, that's called. And um, I think it's called Dick. Oh, yeah, that's it. Yeah. And uh, what's the other one? He's a fucking Marine. Uh, oh, yeah. The Marine. G.I. Jane. That's it. That's, oh. that's him. Yeah. Yeah. It's got. Um, I better not say G.I. Jane Will, in case Will fucking Will Smith. <laughs> 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 oh. <laughs> Will, no. Not again, Will. It's alive. It's alive. It's alive. So he, he's, he's, he's played more than them. At this time. Nine times out of ten, he's a cop. You've got to say nine times out of ten. You've given examples of three other roles. That doesn't work. That's seven times out of ten. Well, not when his other 30 roles are cops or crooks. (laughs) Look, well, uh, fortunately, John Leguizamo's in this, and he's a mathematician. He'll be able to tell us exactly how many out of ten that would be during the... (laughs) Yeah, and believe me, he doesn't need a fucking invitation to tell you. (laughs) We've also got Zoe Deschanel. He plays Mark Wahlberg's wife, Alma. Yep, never seen her in anything before. I've been well aware of her doing that kooky uh, bullshit comedy <laughs> that she used to do, yeah. uh, which I believe she was good in. Um, to me, it appeared that she was doing it in this as well. I've got to say, in defence of anyone who's in this film, don't judge them on this, <laughs> their performances. On I have never known a group of actors who I like, even John Leguizamo, just plays the role so weirdly in this Everybody film. Everybody in this. No one can speak. Nobody in this delivers a line like it's natural, like they would the ever have said off, it. The Every, cadence is weird. They, the, the way they're looking at people when they're saying it's off. It's, I, don't, I didn't get any of it. <laughs> None of it. But having said that, 
What a fucking laugh riot this film is. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, what a film. I've got a plot as well for you, Ken. Good. You ready? Yes. A science teacher and his wife struggle to survive a plague that causes those infected to commit suicide. Mm-hmm. Which, as a plot, does sound good. I'd tell you Except what. Except the science be... teacher bit. Yeah, it's um, it's a plot that I think they've used in several Japanese films. You know, but we won't dwell on that. Got some keywords for you. Is it Japanese film? <laughs> it's survival. Yeah. Epidemic. Mm-hmm. Fear. My God. He was in a film called Fear, wasn't he, Mark Wahlberg? Was he? Reese Witherspoon. Nice. Yeah, he was very young. He was uh, uh, high school kids dating, and he was a stalker. He was a fucking big high school kid. <laughs> Is this his Marky Mark era? It looks like yeah, John Cena. He's a, he's a big lad in that, yeah. He scares yeah. the shit out of the, uh, the girl's dad <laughs> because he's fucking massive. <laughs> yeah, and her dad isn't. Violence. Yeah. The next I, was quite su- I was quite surprised, actually, by uh, the, the bloodshed in this. Quite, quite R- rated. Yeah, yeah. Self-mutilation. Mm, self-mutilatus. Nature. Oh. Talking to a plant. <laughs> yes. Bees. <laughs> Not the bees. Lions. Yes. Hot dogs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tiramisu. <laughs> she was my favourite character. Yeah, bless you. <laughs> and Mood Ring. Oh no, and one more, which I fucking loved. It made me laugh out loud when I read it. Yeah. No particular reason. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I think that, if, if anything, that should have been the tagline on the front cover. Got two taglines for you, Ken. Okay, it should have been no particular reason. Ken, you're going to love these. You're the producer. I'm sitting in your office. You've got M. Knight to the left of you, Joker to the right. <laughs> Here I am. Yeah. <laughs> Stuck in the middle with Zoo. <laughs> e. Deschanel. <laughs> First tagline, you ready? Yes. The event we could not foresee on a scale we cannot imagine. Oh, it would be so much better if it was Fathom. Yeah, that would have been yeah, good. I'm not happy with that. I yeah. want Fathom or I'm scrapping that one. Next. Yeah. We've sensed it. We've seen the signs. Now, it's happening. It's too close to the title. Yeah, and it's a nod to the sixth sense and signs that he did before. Oh, yeah, like with Roadhouse where they mentioned Dirty Dancing. Okay, yes. We've sensed it. We've seen the signs. Now. It's happening. Now he's been allowed to make this shit show. That's yeah. what it should have been. <laughs> well, should we just crack into it then or what? Yeah, why not, eh? It's alive! It's alive! It's alive! The film opens with uh, the Simpsons opening with the clouds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does, yeah. The Central Park. Central Park, 8.33am. we got two women on a bench... One of the women is actress Kristen Connolly, who you may remember as the final girl in Cabin in the Woods. Interesting fact. This is her only uh, scene in the film. She has disowned the movie. <laughs> she refuses to talk about the film when asked about it. Why would you waste your time asking her about this? I know. I mean, I probably would. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah, they're, they're on a bench. They're just talking about a book. 
What are they doing on a bench at 8.33am reading a book? Reading books. 9 o'clock start. Reading books. Yeah. As she mentioned, seeing people in the distance clawing at themselves and, is that blood I can see? Yeah, and then we see it and no, there isn't any blood. You can't see anything. There's nothing happening at all. It's just people just walking around normally. What we do see is people start to get confused, repeating their words, standing still, sometimes walking backwards. Yeah, everyone has stopped. Yeah. Except her. She's still like looking from side to side. And we get the whoosh. And we get to see her, what she's looking at. And she goes whoosh, looks the other way. And we get to see that as well. And uh, yeah, then one guy walks backwards. And we hear a few screams. The woman sitting next to uh, to Kristen, uh, reading uh, on the bench next to her, she takes the silver chopstick hairpin out of her hair and stabs herself in the neck with it. Hmm. I quite like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I was with it at this point. If you like that, Ken, we cut to the next scene. We're on a building site. You've got some uh, like builders. Yeah, we're three blocks over. Yeah, they're on the they're on the ground chatting about dicks. When eight fifty nine. Yeah, it's a dick joke, isn't it? When all of a sudden a body falls behind them. It's Mackenzie. My God, it's Christ <laughs> Mackenzie. I believe his name is Mackenzie Fell. Uh, they rush over to his, like, pathetically broken body. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he gets on the radio saying that Mackenzie's gone. Mackenzie's down. <laughs> Mackenzie's go- gone. <laughs> yeah, they call for emergency assistance. They get another thud, and it's another worker. Someone else has fallen. Yeah. And uh, someone else has fallen. They look Drop at- it literally dropping like flies. And then another and another crashes somewhere, crashes through the fucking like wood, like overhead bit. And uh, they look up. We see lots of blokes, all the builders who are on the top floors of this building site. Yeah. Just like walking off the edge edge of the building and looks fucking ridiculous. It does, yeah. I'm pretty sure they'd have like like barriers up there, you know, to stop this sort of thing from happening. It was a laugh out loud (laughs) moment for me. They're just all walking the plank. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, literally that's what they're doing. (laughs) It's alive! It's alive! It's alive! Anyway, we've got no time for that because now we're cutting to Philadelphia High School and it's 9.45am. I will just say that uh, when I said said that we should do this film, because this is a requested episode, I said to you, I'd like... Oh, thanks a lot, whoever requested this. <laughs> it wasted two hours of my life, this. Um, I did say I'm very interested to hear your... Like, the opening six minutes is so fucking funny. Just that, that the blokes walking off. It's just the visual of it. Like, the actual thought of it is, hor- is horrible, but the visual of it, like, from underneath, yeah. just looks so fucking goofy. It looks so funny. I, I liked it. I liked it. Like the village people committing mass suicide. (laughs) And like written like down on a script on the page, it does sound like a good like set piece. But it's just the way it's shot looks so like when they're falling, just looks so stupid. Anyway, yeah, the next shot, we see a science teacher named Elliot Moore. It's it's Mark Wahlberg. It's Mark Wahlberg. Everyone's perfect idea of a science teacher. Yeah. He's talking about the event that science cannot explain. (laughs) It's about thousands of disappearing bees. And the way he delivers his first line, and subsequently every line, as it turns out, for the rest of the film, is so odd. Hey, guys, you ever heard about the way the bees are moving? It's like, who the fuck talks like that? I thought throughout this entire film that I I 
I saw up Mark Wahlberg's nose more than I'd ever wanted to see up a human's <laughs> yeah. nose. Yeah, there's a lot of shots from underneath, isn't yeah. there? And he has got a big old flary nose when he wants to. Yeah. Yeah, and he flares it a lot in this. Woo! <laughs> yeah, but this, yeah, about the bees. Is this like, what's he doing? How old are these kids as well that they're talking about bees? Well, it's I mean, like look. about like 16 years old and he's like banging on about bees and yet none of them are not listening. Yeah. He asked these students for theories on why this might be happening, and one suggests disease, to which he said, it's all over the country, so it can't be disease. Yeah, I'm like, what? I, I, like, I like the fact that he's uh, he's asking, anybody? Anybody got any theories? And they're all <laughs> offering him theories, and he's basically like, of course not, you fucking idiot. Yeah. Anybody else? <laughs> like it when he's asking for theories, he might as well have the chair backwards and him <laughs> sitting on it like the cool teacher. That's what he's going for here. Yeah, but he is. He's asking them for ideas. And anyone who's stupid enough to offer an idea, he just slaps back down as being an idiot. Yeah, there's a girl that says pollution. And uh, Mark Wahlberg says, well, there are no bodies, so shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, and Ed bots her. We get to Dylan with a great line delivery. He only gets one line, so he might as well go all in. And he's like, Dylan? And he's <laughs> the guy's like, global warming. <laughs> <laughs> Like fucking, literally like a stoner character from the 80s. Not the Matt Damon from Team America. Yes. Saying his own name. Yeah. <laughs> he says maybe, and then moves on. Yeah, but, but enough of that. <laughs> yeah. And then moves on to a 30-year-old looking uh, student called Jake. He's looking into the distance because he's too cool for school. He looks to have never had a rational thought in his entire life. And he says, you're not interested in what happened to the bees? <laughs> <laughs> he's in total shock at a teenager not giving a fuck about anything he can't finger yeah, yeah it's incredible although oh, I don't know I don't think you can finger a bee can you well twice <laughs> <laughs> Elliot then starts like hitting on the young lad telling him how perfect his face is yeah how beautiful he is he tells Jake he's perfect now but your nose and ears grow a fraction of an inch each year so he's gonna look and I quote downright whack <laughs> Ten years from now. <laughs> Which is a bit harsh, isn't it? And he asks him again, why did the, like he's Tom Cruise in A Few Good Men grilling Jack Nicholson, <laughs> why did the bees vanish? And Jake offers the opinion that because it's a natural event that we will never fully understand, whatever the fuck that means. What it basically means is, I don't know. Yeah. And he says, yes, <laughs> he says, that's probably right. He says, nice answer, Jake, you stupid cunt. <laughs> <laughs> you ugly prick. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, he agrees. Yeah, he actually says, yeah, that's probably it. He's like, hang on a minute, people have offered you actual theories. Yeah. He's just saying, we'll never know. Exactly. And, and he's, he's like, a fucking... yes, buddy. And he's a science teacher. He says like how whatever scientists come up with, in the end, it'll just be a theory and that there are forces at work beyond our understanding, which I'm sure it's, it's the opposite an actual of science. scientist... It's the opposite of science, isn't it? ...would slap him for saying. No scientist would ever say anything is unexplainable. That's the whole fucking point. Yeah. Why do we believe any of it? Yeah. And he talks down about theories, but theories are based on facts. That's how you'd make a theory. It's not a wild fucking guess. You fucking idiot, Wahlberg. You're not fit to be a science teacher. Go back to your cops and crooks. <laughs> anyway, Jake just wants to know how long his face is uh, going to be downright whack for. <laughs> and Elliot tells him, it's just a joke. You'll be sexy forever. Yeah, I'll always love you. <laughs> 
And then he sings the entire song by uh, <laughs> Whitney Houston. <laughs> uh, Jake responds with no facial expression and simply points at him, which is might be the scariest part of the whole film. <laughs> Just points his finger at Wahlberg. We get to the stupidest part of the film now, and that's saying Fuck something. Hell yeah. Fuck me, what's this bit all about? Yep, yeah, it's the deputy head teacher comes in to see Mr. Moore. Let's put this in a different context, this bit, Ken. Because what basically happens is that the vice principal comes in and Mark Wahlberg calls her the Dark Lord. Yeah, and turns off the lights. And starts running around the classroom with his head down, telling the kids not to look her yeah, in the eyes. Between the kids. And then he then he gets up against the wall, turns the light off, like that's going to fool her, and she just turns it straight back on, and uh, that's really funny. Yeah, she joins in the fun uh, by uh, telling uh, him hundreds of people are dead, <laughs> <laughs> and he needs to go to the staff meeting in the gym. Yeah. But flipping it, Ken, if you were at work... Stop acting like a prick, <laughs> is what she says. It turns the light back on. <laughs> if you were at work, and your boss came in, and you did that... <laughs> What the fuck would happen? I'd probably uh, have an alcohol and drugs test. <laughs> <laughs> he's literally like got his head down, like yeah, dancing through the yeah, table. He's just like, running around, bent down. That's fucking mental, that bit. Yeah. It, In a it, film that's mental, that's probably the weirdest bit. Yeah, I wrote that. What the fuck is he doing? <laughs> uh, anyway. None of the kids even give a fuck. Yeah. None of the kids are laughing. None of them are like, hey, teacher, yeah, 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 that's his boss. He's being funny. They're just not fucking bothered. Well, and then when he, and then she says, right, we're all assembled so-and-so. We need you to come now. And he says, okay, settle down, you lot. They're not fucking, <laughs> but they're not reacted. They're not doing anything. They literally sat in silence thinking, what the bloody hell's he doing? Our teacher's insane. He tried chatting up Jake and now he's like acting like he's in Harry Potter. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, then we go uh, We go to where all the teachers are gathered, really, really close to each other. Yeah. When Elliot gets there, he's warned by Principal Ferris Bueller's best mate about an apparent terrorist attack in New York, which terrorists have released uh, some sort of gas in some Central sort of Park. Some gas. And advising that school is cancelled. Uh, the principal explains that the warning signs are confused speech, hmm? physical the- disorientation, loss of direction. Bees. I thought patient zero is Gary Boosie. (laughs) When he tells him it happened in Central Park, Elliot says, Central Park, that's kind of odd. And everyone ignores him. Yeah, because it isn't. No. But would he have said that if it was anywhere else? Yes. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Uh, The principal tells him all that school's cancelled and we cut to Mark Wahlberg with his tie around his head sliding down the banister of the stairs. (laughs) Woohoo! Shooting off the fire extinguishers. <laughs> <laughs> Spring break! <laughs> no, what we actually see is uh, in him telling his students not to forget their science projects for next week. He then gets them to recite an easy-to-remember scientific investigation study rule. Can you remember him, Ken? No. Same with me. <laughs> Identify variables, design the experiment, careful observation and measurement... Interpretation of experimental data. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, spring break. <laughs> Everyone's like, woohoo. As they leave, Elliot confesses to his friend Julian, who's John Leguizamo. Yeah. He's a math teacher with a love of statistics. Doesn't he just? 
He tells him that uh, him and Alma are having some problems. Julian responds as a friend would by offering um, Elliot and his wife to, you know, come away with him and his family out to the city, to his mom's uh, place. And I like how Elliot brings that up about the problems with his wife. And when Julian asks one question, he's just like, whoa, 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 calm down. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't worry about it, okay? Just relax. It's like, you fucking bored it up, you dick. I got the impression that Julian hated his wife. Yeah. Right from the beginning. Yeah. Every, everything he seems to say was just like, well, I told you not to marry her, didn't I? Basically, because Julian says it, he tries to cheer Elliot up by telling him that he saw Alma on their wedding day crying alone in a room yeah. before they got married. Yeah, because she didn't want to do it. I told you not to marry her, and now you have. Now it's your own fault. He says something like she'll never turn up for anything or something, he yeah, says, Yeah, yeah, she'll he? never turn up for you. Yeah. I think, I think he says, yeah. So he's like, she's not on your side. She's not, you know, and all this. It's like... Thanks, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Just what you want to hear, isn't anyway, it? Anyway, I've had a terrorist attack. Oh. <laughs> uh, what? There's been a terrorist attack? Whoa, whoa. Why are, you, why are you all over my case? Uh, cut to uh, the massive eyes of Zoe she, Deschanel. I've written Zoe wide-eyed fuck. Her eyes are massive. They are, but it works when she's playing a kooky, crazy character. Not when she's like a straight, bloody role like this. It doesn't work. It's annoying. She's watching the TV news about the attack. She gets a call on her cell phone from from her cellular phone. From Joey. How are you doing it? <laughs> it says. <laughs> How could you possibly be doing that? Yeah, from, big, from that big, series. Big fan of Friends. Yeah. Yeah. Love that character, Joseph. Yeah, he's always funny when he's asking people how, how they're doing things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she ignores it, she, uh, puts it on the table, watches it vibrate as her eyes get progressively bigger somehow. Yeah, somehow they're now like the, around the back of her own head. Her <laughs> eyes are that wide. It's like uh, Judge Doom from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. <laughs> yeah, her eyelids are actually off her face. <laughs> Uh, Elliot gets home. It turns out that Alma uh, speaks just like him with the same sort of awful line delivery and inflection. Yeah, which is good. That's probably how they got together. Yeah, because we hear a news report about this chemical changing electrical signals to the brain using uh, causing hallucinations, asphyxiation and paralysis. It's basically flipping the preservation switch. And her line is, it makes you kill yourself. Just when you thought there couldn't be any more evil that could be invented. <laughs> It's like, what? <laughs> you idiot. It's <laughs> her first line and I'm already annoyed by her. <laughs> yeah, I hated her pretty much all the way through. Yeah, this. yeah. Elliot fucks off to go and pack, not forgetting his favourite mood ring, which he slips on his finger. I like the fact that she's just been at home and she's already packed and didn't bother packing anything for him. Absolutely, like, yeah. Like, yeah, well, yeah, maybe, maybe John Leguizamo's got this bang on. Yeah, well, he's statistically... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's figured it all out. Yeah. Yeah, just with a massive like spreadsheet and yeah. stuff. Quick shot of the newspaper with the headline, Philadelphia murder rate soaring, uh, right next to an, art- an article about menagerie breakouts and dietetic <laughs> foods. Alma <laughs> uh, gets another call and hangs it up and tries to act casual about it in the fucking worst bit of acting I've ever seen. Almageddon. <laughs> Another call. Yeah, <laughs> that's what they. Sh- that's what they should have said. Uh, when she answers the call, we hear a voice say hello. Fun fact: the voice of Joey is Matt LeBlanc. Yes, <laughs> Alma. How are you doing this? 
<laughs> Could I call you any more? That's like, shut up, Chandler. He's in the background. Yeah. It's the voice of uh, the movie's director, M. Night Shyamalan. Really? really? Yeah. I, I didn't even know anyone spoke. Yeah, who cameos in all of his films. That's his cameo, is it? Yeah. Right, because he still thinks he's Hitchcock. Yes. Right, okay. Yep, exactly. Uh, Elliot and his wife, they, uh, they're they at the train station to flee to, you know, for outside Philadelphia on the train. Julian and his daughter Jess. This is the first time we meet little Jess, mm-hmm. eight years old. That's right. Uh, Elliot asks Julian uh, where his wife is, and uh, she says, oh, she's out shopping. She's getting the next train. Why would you go shopping during a terrorist attack? Because <laughs> you might need things. Yes, but we do find out later what she's gone shopping for. Yeah, it's not what she needs, is it? No, no it's mental. But anyway, no, if she's out shopping, she's getting the next train. We don't ever meet her, do we? No. No. Uh, Alma works out that Elliot told Julian about them fighting and has a go at him in front of his fucking mate, telling him that, that this is our problems to sort out. She's a very private person. You know. Yeah, and uh, then she just takes her ticket and goes and sits on her own in a, on a train that yeah. they're all getting on she, yeah, uh, she, to, she, to flee uh, like a terrorist attack, as far as they know. And she just thinks, I'm just going to sit on my own. That would make them think I'm not weird. Yeah, she said, I need to go and sit on my own to calm down. And by the time we get there, I'll be okay. She takes the ticket off um, John Leguizamo and says, we probably won't get to sit next to each other anyway and leaves. It's like, could that make Elliot look more of a no. cunt if he tried? Honestly. <laughs> she tried. Honestly. It's just like, yeah, maybe he was right. Yeah. Maybe everything he said in that short little speech about her is spot on. Because yeah. she's just been a dick since we met her. I mean, like the thing where she's saying, like, you know, it's our problems. You need to tell every fucker you walk past about our problems. I, I get that. That's fair enough. But the way she reacts to it and the way she just, like, causes a scene in front of the mate, it's like, fucking hell. Plus, it's not really that much of an argument, is it? It doesn't seem so. I mean, we don't really know what the problems what, are, do what we? The bloody argument about. No, uh, Mark Wahlberg wanted a chance to play a science teacher and decided to play it like he'd shit himself in every scene. <laughs> That's my note because he's just lined delivery. He's like he's he's shit himself and he doesn't want anyone else to find out. That's like the line delivery I'm getting from him. Mark Wahlberg's forehead was so furrowed by the end, <laughs> in confusion as to what the hell's going on, that uh, Jim I th- Carter it, it, set it, it as it, an it, obstacle it, race. Should have got <laughs> some sort of like um, supporting actor credit. <laughs> <laughs> because he just looks confused throughout all of this, and I, I kind of thought, I wonder if that's how I look when I'm watching this. It's just like. <laughs> Here's his face. Yeah, he's just he's just like just like doesn't understand anything that's happening. No. Yeah, and nor did I. So, you know, fair enough. That bit he got me convinced. The movie, we move on. We're in uh, Rittenhouse Park in Philadelphia. There's a woman, she's walking a dog. We get a, a breeze beginning to blow. Yeah, wind in the trees. We get a traffic cop. He's walking through the traffic jam. He stops and talks to a taxi driver called Sal about the chilly weather. Uh, suddenly, everyone stops in their tracks and uh, the dog runs across the road. And, you know, his leash is dropped to the ground. He, he runs off. And it takes us back to the cop who's standing in front of the cab. We hear a gunshot. It's from, like, the legs. It's, like, just the, the legs, isn't it, we see? Not armor, just actual legs. Yes. And uh, a gunshot and the policeman drops to the ground, blood spurting from the bullet wound in his forehead. Forehead? 
Nobody shoots himself in the <laughs> How forehead. How would you even do that? Nobody shoots himself in the front of the head. No. Except for him and then Sal. When he yeah. gets out, picks the gun up, shoots himself, falls to the floor with a bullet hole in his forehead. <laughs> it's, just like, yeah. it's, not, it's not practical. And then the woman in high heels steps off the sidewalk, picks up the gun again, and we hear another gunshot, and then obviously we're presuming it's her that's dead. My question, Ken, is, so if this flips us... So our brain is basically telling us to kill ourselves Mm -hmm. all the time, and it's only this one thing that's stopping us from literally grabbing anything and killing ourselves. Yes. That's fucking ridiculous. Yes. Surely if it was... Rather than the fight or flight, it's (laughs) kill yourself or don't. Surely it's like... (laughs) It's the only two options. (laughs) Surely you would have to think that you want to kill yourself for your brain to to, to, to not block that thought. No. It's just instantly just kill yourself. No, it's like the remake of Chucky when uh, when the guy fixes the anti-violence inhibitor. (laughs) Why the fuck would you have one of those built into a kid's toy? (laughs) It's like that kind of thing. That's what we've got built in. Suicide. Yes. That's the constant thought. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's, that's how we were all created. With the one purpose of in our lives <laughs> is to, to kill, kill ourselves. Because we know that any species that has lasted this long, survival of the fittest, <laughs> will want to kill themselves at all times. <laughs> if only we could. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, we've been hardwired not to. If only that could just be stopped. <laughs> Uh, back on the train, you got people, they start to get reports by cellular phone. That the, this was the 2000s, after all. That the, the, Some wouldn't like to admit it. That the attacks have been reported at their destination they're heading to, and in many other places uh, along the um, the sort of eastern side of uh, America. That Alma's getting repeated and insistent calls from Joey. Hey! I just want to know how you're doing this! <laughs> <laughs> How are you gonna answer the phone if you don't pick it up? <laughs> Very philosophical, that one. <laughs> and Chandler's like, wow, she's really cool for not answering the phone. And then, like, you know, like looking around, like, aren't I hilarious because I'm being sarcastic? And then Ross comes in and says, my dick doesn't work. It's <laughs> alive. <laughs> it's alive. It's alive. Yeah, anyway, she she does answer the phone to Joey, and uh, she mentions that we went out for tiramisu once. (laughs) (laughs) Like, why is that a fucking line in this film? (laughs) We went for tiramisu once, and now you're acting like I'm going to see you on the shower curtain or whatever she says. I'm not sure anyone's ever said that out loud (laughs) to another human being, ever. Well, in episode 13748 of Friends, Joey... How are you tiramisuing? That's what he said. I think that was his line. Yeah. Everyone loved it. Round of applause. Yeah, couldn't finish filming because the audience just applauded for 30 full minutes and that was the rest of the episode. Yeah, Phoebe uh, laughed so much she smashed her own face in with her... Her guitar. Yeah. Yeah. Talking about, what was it, smelly... What was it? Not smelly anus. What was it? It was smelly anus. I think so. Smelly cat's anus. Oh, that's it. Yeah, (laughs) it's one of my favourite episodes. Yeah, anyway, tiramisu. Fuck knows what all that's about. Uh, She lies to Elliot about it as well. When he asked, like, he was on the phone. Yeah, a colleague... A colleague, yeah. A colleague, she says. Even though we've not seen her at work, we don't know what she does. 
Julian calls his wife but can't hear her and asks her to text him. She does, saying that she got on a bus to New Jersey heading for the town of Princeton. And that's an actual quote. The town of Princeton. Mm -hmm. That's what you'd text. Elliot immediately gets the connection of it happening in another park when he's told. Another park? That's kind of odd, isn't it? And they ignore him. (laughs) And just looks around with his nostrils flaring wildly, knocking people over. Yeah. Yeah, and just looking confused with his furrowed brow. Yeah, they leave him in like and all the other passengers. It's a small little rural town. They're not happy about it. Obviously, they go and see uh, the um the train workers. Yeah. And just says, you know, what's going on? He says we lost contact. He says with whom? Everyone. Yeah, Ellie asks the train drivers where they are and stuff and and the train drivers answer every one of his questions, don't they? They do, yeah. Yeah. And Elliot, they don't want to. You get the impression they don't really want to, but they just do, because, you know, why not? Yeah, and Elliot responds by shouting in their faces, saying, why are you giving me one useless piece of information at a time? It's like, because that's the fucking yeah, question you've asked. because I'm literally answering what you've said. Yeah, lost contact with everyone. Yeah, where are we? We're at Filbert. There's a big fucking sign yeah, that says yeah. it right there. I already knew where they were, because I read the sign. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Julian, he whispers to Jess to reassure her and he tells Alma that Jess whispers when she gets scared. Alma, with her big scary eyes, like advances on Jess without blinking and says... <laughs> like a fucking vampire. <laughs> yeah. Says how similar they are and that she doesn't like to show her emotions either. I was like, well, no, she is showing her emotion. She's whispering to tell her dad that she's scared. Anyway, Elliot yeah, comes she's out. just doing it quietly, not in front of the fucking mental woman. It's just shouted at everybody <laughs> in front of the, the whole train station and then pissed off on her own. That's what she's doing. It's none of her business. That's why she's whispering to her dad. <laughs> Elliot comes over and tells Jess that nothing bad will happen to them in such a small, pathetic town like Filbert. It's <laughs> Filbert. Yeah, and they, they all head inside the local diner. Yeah, he must have been going, shit. Yeah. Shit, I get those specials on. Yeah, it's the diner from uh, Demon Wind. I'm going to get the hot link sandwich. <laughs> get that going now. <laughs> At the diner, they see a newscast that suggests the suicides are not caused by a terrorist attack, but in fact a natural phenomena. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The report says that the toxin switches off the part of the brain that keeps us from harming ourselves, and at which point Elliot gives his mood ring to Jess to cheer her up. Yeah. Why the fuck is a grown man wearing that big fucking comedy mood ring? Science. That's fucking stupid. Everybody had them back then. What a ridiculous affectation. Oh, no, hang on. No, no, that was 2008. Nobody had them by then. <laughs> yeah. Everybody had them before then. In, in the then, 80s. In the 80s, 90s, yeah. Yeah, where you got them from the, the, put the money in and twist the fucking knob and it <laughs> yeah, falls out. Yeah, how you knew it was legitimate because it cost at least a pound. Yeah. <laughs> a fucking 40-year-old man wouldn't have one of those things. And it just looks ridiculous. But anyway, as he's doing that, we get a random woman who leans over and says, hey, look at this video I was sent on my iPhone. <laughs> it shows a man. Yeah, you'll like this. <laughs> it shows a man walking into the lion's den at a zoo and uh, holding his hand out to the lions to get them to attack. And they do, and he must be like he must have some sort of autoimmune disease because his arms fall off like he's made of fucking marshmallow. This man, lions can't just rip your fucking arm. Of course off like they that. can. They're lions. <laughs> Well, you want to you try it? Well, no, but of course li- you don't. But lions are like they like chew and tear and stuff. They literally just grab his hand and pull, and his arms fucking <laughs> off. 
doesn't even knock him off his feet. That's because uh, whatever it is that's happening is also switched off the um, marshmallow lion, lions arms. can't rip your arms off gauge. It's flipped the marshmallow <laughs> arm switch. <laughs> what, uh, what a really ridiculous way to commit suicide. That is ri- No, this is the second most ridiculous <laughs> way to commit suicide in the film. Yeah, right. Yeah, okay. Yep. I'll, I'll bow to that one because I know which one you mean. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, J- Julian, meanwhile, he's like. <laughs> watching that video like who the fuck's recording it <laughs> thing is the first time it happens uh, is it like every real animal attack where it's uh, something's about to happen and then somebody just like starts to film the ceiling or something instead yeah so they've got all the build-up to the animal attack and then when it happens they just go <laughs> with the camera because i've seen so many shark attack films where like videos yeah, not so many, perhaps. It's not a hobby or anything. But if I've seen one, I think, yeah, go on now, watch that. And you get to it, and then as soon as anything does happen, the camera just goes... And you can't see anything whatsoever, and then it cuts back, and you see, like, nothing there at all. So it happens at the first instance, that happens, and then it cuts back where they refocus, and he's only got one arm. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then another lion just rips it off, just like that. Gone, gone, no arm. He doesn't move. He doesn't think, oh, he doesn't yank towards the lion or anything. He just stands there and his arm falls off. He does. Yeah. Marshmallow arms, that's what they call him. <laughs> um, that was his name, actually, in the uh, IMDb credits. It was, yeah. Marshall Marshmallow Arms Mellow. <laughs> yes, that's him, yeah. Julian, meanwhile, has lost contact with his wife and freaks out. As people are fleeing the diner, obviously worried about lion attacks as well as terrorism <laughs> at this point, uh, some fucking do-gooder stands up, tells them that whatever's happening isn't happening about 90 miles from here. So yeah, everyone gets up and leaves. Yeah, it's because of the TV, isn't it? They've got a TV and there's a map and there's like, you know, 90 miles away is safe. Uh, Julian finds a lift from some people heading to Princeton. Do you, do you know what I think is weird in this bit, right? Everybody runs outside, gets in a car and fucks off. Yeah. They've just arrived on a train. Yeah. What are their cars doing there? Nobody's got a car there. They're all, they've all got off a train. Unless those are locals who've gone to the diner to see what's happening and that the train people are all just fucked off in various well, and they've directions. All, and they've literally, everybody's got a lift immediately except Mark Wahlberg and John Leguizamo. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a tale as old as time, isn't it, that? <laughs> I just thought that. I just thought, why have they all got cars? Yeah. They're not necessarily everyone from the train station is the people in the diner. They could just be people like, of course let's go they to... are. This is, a, this is Filbert, you motherfucker. <laughs> well, where's everyone else come from? Filbert. Where's everyone else gone then? If that's not all of the people off the train, where are the rest of them off the train? They've already just wandered off. Just walking down the tracks, <laughs> whistling with their all their belongings in a... In on the end of a stick. Yeah, on the end of yeah, a stick. Just hitchhiking, like the end of The Incredible Hulk. Yeah, like Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Yeah, it's probably what's happened, you're right. Yeah, Julian, he, he manages to find a lift for some people, luckily, heading to Princeton, the town of Princeton. The town of Princeton. And he leaves Jess with Elliot and Alma, but not before soothing Elliot with some, uh, like, statistics. Yeah, but he's based on nothing. He's like, would you like some statistics? Yeah. And Ellie's <laughs> like, yes. He says, yes, I really would. And he says, there's a 62% chance that Princeton <laughs> hasn't been hit. Fuck? And he's like, what are you basing that on? It's just a theory, Ken. <laughs> no, but seriously, you can't, you can't have statistics based on theories. Surely statistics are based on fact. 
You can't have theory based on fucking nothing. There's got to be some sort of truth to it for yeah. a basis. He's like sickly, yeah, but he just made that up. Yeah. There's a 62%. He said, well, that's a shit percent, isn't it? That's that's just over half. But anyway, yeah, he's like, okay, then bye. Yeah. Uh, Alma takes Jess's hand, to which Julian goes all fucking weird on her. And yeah, he says, and just punches her in the face. <laughs> says, don't take my daughter's hand unless you mean it. Uh, earlier in the film, he told Elliot that Alma is the type of person who would never be there for you when you needed her. Mm-hmm. So, as I say, I'm guessing that, you know, if you promise to look after my daughter, yeah. don't start crying on the day you're scheduled to marry her. Yeah. It's basically what, what he's saying. Yeah, and uh, she responds, Alma, by uh, big wide eyes. They're like the bright lights in It. Yeah, and just blinds John Leguizamo. turns his hair white. <laughs> <laughs> In a situation like that, Ken, it seems massively idiotic to leave your daughter alone. Like, my wife is pr- probably dead. I better go and kill myself. I, <laughs> I better go and either make sure she is dead or kill myself on the way. And make sure my child grows up without either of her parents. Yes, that's the best thing. Bye. That seems ridiculous to me. For me, if that's happening and... Uh, hey, this is the happening. Yeah. And I am not leaving my daughter with my mate and his mental girlfriend (laughs) to go and look for his wife, who they lost contact with hours ago. And we found out that Princeton's fucking probably been hit. 62% chance it's okay, based on nothing whatsoever. Uh, Meanwhile, Elliot and Alma decide, uh, along with everybody else, to flee for the state line with Jess. Luckily, they get picked up by two of the members of the Manson family. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they're picked up by the Manson family. They're a nice couple who they run some sort of like, are they like a farmer's or something? It's like a nursery, isn't it? It's like a plant nursery. Yeah. Do you know uh, the guy? The, yeah. The, the guy of these this couple? Yeah. Uh, Frank Collison, his name is. Yeah. Uh, he's been in quite a lot of shit. Oh, brother, where art thou? Yeah. I know he's definitely in that. Isn't he? He's got a very like recognisable face. I'll tell you the film I recognise him from. Dollman. He's in Dollman. He's in Dollman. What's he in Dollman? Uh, he's the main bad guy. Is he? Yeah. He gets blown to pieces by uh, Dollman's gun. Nice. In uh, in the first instance, and then he escapes to Earth, and he's he's like just like a head on a plate. <laughs> yeah, because he's exploded. Yeah, he's the main villain in Dolman. Nice. Yeah. I recognise him as um, the uh, cousin or something like that of, um, you know, when they go and they eat the horse at the beginning. Yeah, and, and he's got the little oh, kid. Brother, yeah. You know, brother, where aren't they? And that's why I recognise him from. Anyway, yes, uh, they arrive at the, the couple's farm. They notice, like, uh, did you notice the big chimneys with smoke billowing out? Of course in the I did. Of course I did. It was fucking obvious. I feel like this would be a perfect double bill with Birdemic. I was thinking Birdemic. You know, when he mentioned the birds and stuff like that, I was thinking Birdemic more like this. Yeah, it is like Birdemic. Uh, They head inside one of the greenhouses, which is when the farmer gives, for my money, Ken, one of the best monologues about hot dogs since Ernie Hudson (laughs) in The Crow. (laughs) What do you think to that? Yeah, it's it's a big, big respect then for this one. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's like... It's, it's like it's like just talking about hot dogs for no reason. Yeah, it's like uh, M Night decided this was the scene to try out a Quentin Tarantino style monologue <laughs> about nothing. You know, like in Reservoir Dogs, it opens with the talk about uh, like a virgin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, "I'm going to do it, but instead of that, I'm going to do about hot dogs." Yeah, by a farmer. We're packing hot dogs for the road. You know, hot dogs get a bad rap. 
They've got a cool shape. <laughs> They've got protein. You like hot dogs, right? <laughs> That's the fucking line right there. Maybe. He wrote that. Like, I've written it word for word. Like, if I was writing a script and that was a line for a character, I'd be like, why the fuck am I writing that? We don't need that, do we? <laughs> yeah, that's the first thing cut. But anyway, it stays in. Elliot and Alma just shrug it in, which is probably the most realistic response think, to anything um, in the whole film. I think Alma actually does the uh, crazy loco. Coco loco. Yeah, yeah. With, with her, uh, like, rotating finger around the old temple. <laughs> just like... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that one, yeah. <laughs> Literally rotates, like on a like a kebab skewer. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> he also has a theory explaining what's happening out there. He thinks, Ken, listen to this, Ken. I'm with you, I'm with you. He thinks it's hot dogs that are causing it. <laughs> <laughs> Think about it, Ken. What do they sell on every street corner and park in America? <gasps> Hot dogs? Yes. I thought, thank goodness. What does every single warm-blooded American patriot eat at least three times a day? (laughs) It's got to be hot dogs. It's fucking hot dogs. (laughs) God damn. Here's a question for you, Ken. Yeah. Would you rather... Yes. You know, one of these games... Okay, okay. ...have hot dogs for fingers... Mm -hmm. ...or Mark Wahlberg for a dick? Full-size Mark Wahlberg? No. How big? What scale? Five inches. Five-inch Mark Wahlberg? Yeah. <laughs> has he got arms and legs? He has, is but his just feet... His, is it just his face on the end? His feet, like, are part of you. Part of your mons pubis. <laughs> <laughs> but his legs can, like, separate and stuff. Why? Because he's manoeuvrable. And his arms move and stuff. I don't know. I mean, that seems to be an extra pleasure. Every time you look down, he calls you a cocksucker. (laughs) Even though he is the cock. Yeah. That's unnecessary, isn't it? And John Leguizamo for an anus. (laughs) What's he doing? Talking outside of his mouth. Dropping statistics at you non-stop. (laughs) Only when when bad. Yeah, surely. (laughs) Not non-stop. No, non-stop. Oh, what? Even when he's, like, covered. Well, when you fart, that's what he... Statistics instead. (laughs) So I can fart the the statistics in John Leguizamo's voice. Yeah. And I can also have sex with women as Mark Wahlberg. Well, not as Mark Wahlberg, using Mark Wahlberg. (laughs) Using him as a device. Yes. Um, Or hot dogs for fingers. Oh, that's a tricky one. You've also got to brush John Leguizamo's teeth, which I don't think you're, you're, you're remembering. <laughs> it's alive! It's alive! It's alive! Um, I'm going um, Wahlberg, Dick, Leguizamo, Anus. Thank you. I'll add it to my notes. Thank you. Oh, it was a tricky one. Basically because um, if I had hot dogs for fingers, I don't think I'd ever get to use my real dick anyway. Why not? Because I've got hot dogs for fingers. That's not attractive. Nobody's going to want to think, oh, I hope I, hope I can't. But, but a woman's going to be really impressed by you having Mark Wahlberg as a dick. <laughs> of course they are. Like full, fully clothed Mark Wahlberg in The Happening, yes. Mark Wahlberg. Yes. Asking her about bees. Yes. Well, he's John talking Le- as well. Yeah, yeah. it's it's him. Uh, okay, no. <laughs> no, no. This isn't a dick that looks like Mark Wahlberg, Ken. This is Mark fucking Wahlberg, <laughs> five inches, attached to you. Flopping around, upside down, his hair's flapping about. How has this happened? 
alternative universe, multiverses, Ken blame Marvel. So it's either that. I I, maybe we should ask him what he'd rather. No, I don't think no. he'd be happy with this. No, no, he's grown from you. He's always been with you. This isn't Mark Wahlberg as you know him. This you've you've grown up with him. You call and him. He's grown up. I still call him Marky Mark. You can if you like. Do I call me balls the funky bunch? The the balls are. <laughs> don't don't give me another more people. <laughs> okay, it's bad enough. <laughs> or. John Leguizamo as an anus, or hot dogs for fingers. I'm stick. I'm I'm going with Mark Wahlberg as a dick. Leguizamo as an anus. No chance for me. Hot dog fingers. Thank you. It's alive! It's alive! It's alive! Actually, as it turns out, I did ris- uh, misread my notes. It, the farmer actually thinks that plants are the cause of all this, not power plants, Ken, like we saw outside. No, Nuclear. Really. Not Led Zeppelin frontman Robert Plant and his family. <laughs> the plants. He means actual plants. Oh, right, okay. Not like uh, undercover agents. Oh, right, okay, not them either. No. He used to be a bit more specific, doesn't he, this guy? Yeah, yeah, exactly. This guy owns loads of plants. He needs to be more specific about which particular plant he's talking about. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure... Mark Wahlberg thinks he means, like, a CIA plant. I think he does. Yeah. I think he mishears him anyway. I think he says pants are to blame. <laughs> That's why he takes his trousers off immediately. Uh, he explains the way plants can communicate with other plants and the way they can release chemicals to get rid of specific pests. Yeah, which, of course, you know, we just think, he's crazy. He's crazy, and nothing that he says here has got anything to do with this film. Yeah. He starts talking soothingly to the plant, saying that they respond to human stimulus. Mm-hmm. Starts mm-hmm. wanking one off. Yep, and himself. <laughs> Using the leaves. <laughs> the soothing dock leaf. <laughs> Whilst maintaining eye contact with Alma at all times, <laughs> asking her about hot dogs. Yeah, that's because her eyes are so big that he can't look away. If this was Fifty Shades of Grey, he would have used a nettle. <laughs> I did. <laughs> it's a Venus flytrap. <laughs> oh, that's smart. I can tell <laughs> Rocky you. Horror fi- uh, no, uh, Little Trap of Horrors. <laughs> we cut back to Julian in the truck. Uh, when he gets there, Princeton is also infected and there are dozens of people hanging from the trees overhead. Yeah, that's a shame, isn't it? That percentage shit was rubbish. Yeah. And I also like how they, they don't see any of them until they're pretty much underneath them driving. Yeah. <laughs> and then the fat girl in the back uh, starts freaking out. Thankfully, um, John Leguizamo is uh, there with a math riddle. Mm-hmm. He says, here's a math riddle for you. He says, do you like math riddles? And obviously, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when when somebody asks you that in the midst of a like global pandemic and dead people near you, you're going to go, oh, I do, yeah, go on. What have you got? I remember that in The Walking Dead, someone yeah. said that. <laughs> It was John Leguizamo. Oh, that was it. Yeah, you're right, yeah. (laughs) He said, if I give you a penny, and then the next day I give you two pennies, and then every day doubled the amount. So like four, then eight, the next four. That's right, yeah, 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 that's doubling, yeah. Thank you. (laughs) Just clarifying. He said, each day for a month, how much would you have? By the end of the month. Yeah. And she says... He's already on eight bucks, by the way, yeah. if you remember. He, she, no, sorry, eight eight cents by the time he got to the fucking fourth day. She decides that it's probably about $30 yeah. 
But she first says ten. Yeah, she says ten dollars. Uh, which in which point he just stares at her <laughs> until until she ups it a little bit. Uh, and then I, I think <laughs> he does just stare yeah, at her <laughs> to say the fuck. I think eventually the highest she goes is thirty dollars. Yeah, that's the top end. That's top whack for her. She doesn't know any numbers above thirty. She's happy with thirty dollars. That's surely the answer to this question that has just been asked by a stranger in the worst situation she's ever been in in her life. $30. That's not the answer. It isn't. What's the answer he gives? It's over $10 million. $10 million. It is? If the month had 31 days. I fucking looked it up, mate. Oh, nice. It only has 5 million if it's 30 days, obviously, because it would have doubled by the next day. Uh, If it was February, you'd just have over 1 million. So, you know, you'd be a bit more specific with your questions, uh, John. Yeah, I know you're trying to take her mind off it, and she's a fucking idiot anyway, and she said 30. But to say 10 million, that's only seven months. That's just over 50% of the year. I'm sure you'll be able to give me the statistics of the accuracy of that. But that's seven months out of 12. It's $10,737,418.23 to be exact. But only in a month with 31 days, John. Anyway, that's enough of that. Oh, look, there's a hole in the roof. Yeah, he says, hey, you want to hear another one? And everyone says, no, we fucking don't. Well, the driver sure doesn't. So much so, in fact, that he deliberately crashes the car into a tree at high speeds. (laughs) (laughs) He stops in the middle of the road, doesn't he? He he breaks a minute and then like... I love that. I love the fact that like, you want to hear another one and then you don't see anything else until they just crash. It's as if the driver was just like, I'm just going to fucking just kill like, everyone. I'm fucking sick of this. She's going to say 30 again. <laughs> so we might as well just die. Yeah. Which is kind of like how I imagine Ken's road trips go, to be honest, <laughs> whenever anyone most asks him of, a question. Most of them do end with me plowing into a tree. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he deliberately cl- crashes the tree at high speeds, and interestingly enough, when they're actually in the car, the only one not wearing a seatbelt is John Leguizamo. But the driver flies through the windscreen. And someone else does, and I yeah. thought, oh, that's John, but no. No, he gets out, doesn't he? Yeah. And he seems to be okay. He was in the front seat, wasn't he? Yeah. Because he was looking back at this fat woman. Yeah, and the fat woman was behind the driver... So whoever flew through the, the windscreen would have had to have gone through John Leguizamo to get through the windscreen. Well, there's a uh, 74% chance of <laughs> flying through John Leguizamo if a car hits a tree at a certain speed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, it's, mm-hmm. it's simple mathematics. He gets out anyway. He's totally fine. Yeah, he gets out. He's not, he's not dazed at all. He's up. Oh, fuck's sake. Sits himself down in the middle of the road, grabs a piece of broken glass from the, from the crash... Starts slashing his wrists. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he's dead. It's a shame, man. Yeah. I really I really liked him. <laughs> he was like my favourite character. He was talking about math. Uh, we cut back to Mark Wahlberg and uh, his wife, Zoe Deschanel. They're on the road. They're, uh, they see bodies up ahead in the, like, the distance. There may be bodies ahead. <laughs> That's what he sings. And Elliot confirms this by having a look through some binoculars. And we see that his ring is now blue, which means he's having a shit. (laughs) Well, I can correct you there, Dom. Nobody has a shit in this film. Thank you. Thank you. 
Maybe next time, guys. There's a flu cl- uh, few close calls, but uh, no, nothing. I had a shit whilst I was watching it. <laughs> Just yeah. on the chair. It's <laughs> alive! It's alive! It's alive! Uh, a mother from one of the other groups, she gets to hear her own daughter kill herself over the phone, which yeah, is nice. That is nice, yeah. We get a new character, by the way. An army uh, an army guy. Yeah. He turns up. He starts like just telling people he looks terrified, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Says everyone at the barracks is dead. The little girl over the phone, when uh, Mark Wahlberg listens in, because uh, she's in Princeton, the girl is, asks her oh, what's going on in Princeton. It's like, oh, everyone's dead outside. I'm just sort of fucking statistician trying to get in, telling me a fucking <laughs> riddle. Ended up killing him. Um, I fucking hate riddles. And she says, uh, I read, what's it? I see in calculus or something like that. She I says. think she says, I see calculus. Yeah. What the fuck does that mean? It's gobbledygook. It doesn't mean anything. First sign of the deadly virus. And yeah, she ends up killing yeah, It doesn't mean anything, though. Even if it was like, you can't... What do you mean you see calculus? What, why have that in it? Maybe she was doing her homework at the time. Bullshit. Anyway, yeah, she's dead. Yeah, and uh, Elliot finds out that Julian is most probably dad, uh, dead. And uh, this is too much for Elliot, who heads off into the bushes on his own to finger his ring... <laughs> Which makes it turn bright red, as it yeah. turns out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what happens. <laughs> yeah, uh, Jess comes over to make sure he's okay, and he says that he he sure hopes her dad killed himself before the lions got to him. <laughs> uh, Jess falls into his lap, crying, and he consoles her as Alma looks on from a distance. She, you remember in Ghostbusters two? The guy who knocks on Sigourney Weaver's door, makes sure she's all right when the power like cuts off. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, I'm fine, shuts the door. And then when he leaves, he's got like headlights for eyes down the corridor. Yeah. That's kind of like what she's doing at the minute here. <laughs> she's like staring from like 20 feet away, but they know that she's staring at them because yeah. her eyes are so big. It's because she's going... That's very cat. Exactly. That's how they can sense it. Yeah. They decide to appoint the 18-year-old army private as their leader. (laughs) (laughs) Um, They abandon the cars and they strike out on foot, heading for a small remote housing development. One man who appears to be a real estate agent knows about. um, That's because uh, this guy's still talking about plants communicating and all that shit. And the army guy says, uh, we must find a safe zone. And then they say, it's Arendelle. Arendelle's our safe zone. Which, uh, obviously, if they'd ever seen the film Frozen, they'd know that that is not a safe zone because uh, the princess keeps turning everything to ice and like causing total chaos. This is the first time Ken has ever used a current film <laughs> in his, this is a bit like, segments. <laughs> yeah, so there you go. <laughs> there you go, it's Elsa. Elsa's causing chaos in Arendelle. So if only they'd ever seen the film, available on Disney+. Plus then uh, they would have known that. Anyway. <sighs> anyway, yes. During the walk, um, where they're now just on, on foot, during the walk to this uh, frozen wasteland of Arundel, Zoe Deschanel decides to come clean to Mark Wahlberg about what's going on with Joey Tribbiani on the phone. And she tells him the shocking truth. She doesn't say tiramisu, which is unfortunate because I'd have loved it if she just explained that to him. But um, I think that would have that would have pushed him over the edge. Yeah, he'd have gone. That's our dessert. He'd have been like, 
Tiramahu. <laughs> that would have been a good line. Tirama, you! She shouts back and runs off. <laughs> it's alive! It's alive! It's alive! Yeah, so she she comes clean. Um, she says that uh, once she told told him that she was working late, but what she really done is she went for dessert with someone, a man, and now he keeps ringing her. Yeah, that was it. A coworker. Yeah, that was it. Shocking stuff. He says, you lied to me? And that's the end of that scene. <laughs> so she's like, mm-hmm. Uh, from the junction before they left there, it, it should be pointed out that um, some of them take a minute to get things from the car and some like carry on. Oh, yes, two groups. Yeah, so you've got Elliot, Alma and Jess there in front in a group of about like 10 or 12. And then uh, there's a large group behind that like stop to grab stuff and that's like a, like 20 people. Including the soldier and like the the Manson family couple, and uh, it's the larger group that they get infected first. Yeah, they start arguing. Yeah, yeah, like, which I thought is ah right, so it's it's like it's mutating now, so now it's causing anger, but uh, it's got fuck all to do with it, as it turns out. No, they're just like on edge, and then they all stop and stare at each other. The soldier goes all private pile on us. Yeah, yeah. started. This to- is my gun. Yeah, this is my firearm. It is my friend. I will not leave its side or whatever. And then starts walking backwards towards uh, the plant couple. The husband's just staring like, I've never seen this before in my life. Yes, plants, plants, plants. That's what he's saying, hot dogs. <laughs> hot dogs, hot dogs, plants. Elliot's group, they hear the gunshots because you see that the the army guy takes his gun out of his holster. We hear gunshots and then you presumably like... They're all killing themselves, basically, one by one. Uh, Elliot starts to believe that it uh, it is actually the plants. The toxin is yeah. triggered by all, large groups thing of people. Is, though, they're all asking him questions, and he can't really compute. He's standing there looking confused as ever. His nose is wide as fuck. And he's just there, <laughs> just looking confused, and everyone's asking him questions and questions and questions, and he's like, ah, 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 thinking, 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 thinking. And oh, oh, they're oh. all just shut up. I will point out that Alma is unbearable in this yeah. scene. Holy fuck. It's like, shut the fuck up. And he and, uh, hey, here's a, an example of Mark Wahlberg's range as an improvisational actor. Mm-hmm. He delivered the line himself. It wasn't in the script. No way. Be scientific, douchebag. <laughs> well, he says to himself, that was ad-libbed. Wow. And they left it in the film. Wow. You know what his plan his plan is? Go on. It's also the same name as one of our albums. Go on. Stay ahead of the wind. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> That's his fucking... Uh... Yeah. He actually says, plants, plants, they're the... we're the threat here. We're the threat. We were the smaller group. This is what he figures out from nothing whatsoever. He also recites his like um, scientific bullshit that he said to his students before. Yes, bees. <laughs> yeah, so he just like, shout, shouts bees. It's like test the data, blah 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 blah, and then he comes up with stay ahead of the wind <laughs> after he runs it through his. Uh... Yeah, small groups, small groups, run from the wind, run from the wind, <laughs> and they do. They split up into smaller groups, and I shit you not, we get a chase scene with the wind chasing Mark Wahlberg mm-hmm. through a field. That's the sort of stuff you could write, and uh, nobody would take that. 
That's sort of stuff we would come up with on this fucking film pitch. Mark Wahlberg chased by the wind. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, the group peels off into the three smaller groups, all running away in different directions. And unfortunately for Elliot, Alma and Jess, they're paired with uh, two annoying teenage twats called Josh and Jared. Especially yeah. Josh. I Who fucking hate that these, kid. Man? That actor's been in other things and I hated him in those as well. I, I should point that I out. I don't know either of these two. The group, they end up finding the show home place that they're... Like we're looking for before, like the new development. We had a bit of comic relief. Elliot talks about a plant he sees blowing inside and introduces himself, uh, saying he's giving good vibes to it, so there's no need to harm him. And it turns out it's just plastic. It's plastic. Everything's plastic. It's a model home. None of it's real. <laughs> you silly Mark Wahlberg. We get a brief scene with Elliot. Although, to be honest, that was probably one of the best interactions <laughs> of the film. Him and, him and a plastic plant. It's better than talking to his missus. Yeah, I'm glad she wasn't in it. <laughs> we get a brief scene with Elliot and Josh sitting in the dining room and Elliot telling him about how in nature they found large quantities of a primordial bacteria that disappeared billions of years ago that just suddenly appeared in the water off the coast of Australia. Toxic to humans, fishermen who come into contact with it are dying, and Elliot says that this on top of the bees disappearing, little, little fucking yeah, impact. Don't forget those. He's preoccupied. I wonder if he's got, like, at his home, like, a, a board with, like, string and bees in the I middle. Think he has, like, yeah. <laughs> well, like he's tagging every bee that exists. Exactly, like he's on the hunt for a serial <laughs> like killer. All of them. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, he says that on top of the bees disappearing and how sexy his 15-year-old student is, um, he feels like it's just all a pattern. He goes on to say stuff like, what happened in Australia usually has a crest and then it stops. They just have to survive until it's over. And Josh dismisses this because he's Josh and he's a prick. And he yeah, says, I don't believe yeah, it's nature. And he's a kid and he's just like, what the fucking hell are you talking about? As they leave, they look back and we see two small groups of people arrive at the show home. And uh, as they all arrive, they form into one large super group. Yeah, and he keeps saying, oh my God. And they have to leave, you see, because he says other people will come here. Yeah. And there'll be too many of us. And as he leaves, he turns around, he has a look and he says, my God, look, more groups. Of course, that many people can together, 15 people, that, that triggers the toxin. They stand around confused, except for one man. He's not confused, is he? He, he knows, knows exactly ex- what to do. <laughs> he knows exactly what to do. He's given us the best death of the film. <laughs> yeah. We talked about it earlier. It's happening now. What <laughs> happens, Ken? What he does, he's there and he, <laughs> he, he thinks, uh, well, I'm going to kill myself. Uh, I'm not sure how to do it. Hang on a minute. What's that there? It's a massive ride on lawnmower. So he goes over, he flicks the switch. He uh, somehow negotiates it to turn around in a very sharp turn. And um, just lays on the grass in front of the lawnmower. <laughs> so the lawnmower turns around in a very sharp turn, as I said, and just runs him over. <laughs> he just vanishes under the blades of a mower. That is ridiculous. I loved it. That's the third most ridiculous death I've seen in a film. <laughs> third most ridiculous suicide, I'll give you that. Yeah, yes. suicide. Yeah. Sorry, yes, you're right. Yeah, That's what I meant. I will give you that one. We've covered the second. We still haven't done the first, but we will get to it at some point. <laughs> but yes, why the fuck would anyone do that? And the, the actual um, effect on that's awful. It's just like a yeah spray of red, isn't sure, it? Surely he could have killed himself without having to use that. I know that seems massively over the over the yeah, top, or elaborate. Still, there we go. 
we're carrying on with our group. They stumble across a farmhouse and Alma tells Elliot that they need to stop as Jess is only eight years old and she's hungry. Mm-hmm. Elliot responds by telling him that he finds the girl who works at the local pharmacy very attractive. Mm, yeah. Sometimes he buys cough syrup from her when he doesn't even have a cough. That's superfluous cough syrup. I love it. That's what I've he written says. the line. I'm talking about completely superfluous cough syrup here. Superfluous cough syrup was one of our albums. <laughs> it was indeed, yeah. Yeah. Very well received, actually. Yes, by Mark Wahlberg, <laughs> who bought it when he didn't need to. <laughs> yeah. yeah, which was a nice surprise. I knew we'd marketed that right. <laughs> Alma gets all sad and asks him if he's joking, uh, to which he nods and she says, thank you. It's a very odd scene and we move on. Yeah, fuck that. Anyway, they all end up on the front porch of the boarded up farmhouse asking for food. Jess is playing on a rope swing suspended from a tree branch. I thought, oh, this might be an interesting sort of death set piece here. Yeah, yeah, because Alma says, what sort of tree is this? He says, I don't know. Yeah, what the fuck should yeah, I know? because obviously he's not based in trees, is he? No. But then he says, uh, <laughs> maple, <laughs> a maple tree? He's just always up a tree. That's his base of operations. <laughs> he's, in, he's in his... <laughs> that was the nursery owner. That's where he used to be. <laughs> that was, he was based. There were these hot dogs. His <laughs> wife used to fire hot dogs up to him, like the T-shirt <laughs> things for the sports <laughs> events. <laughs> he was like, just straight in, just down be, his throat. He's been one. there catching them in buns. Yeah. <laughs> Hit me with another. <laughs> like the Stone Cold thing at the end of his wrestling. <laughs> yeah, with the beers, yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the inhabitants of the house um, refuse to open for food or shelter or anything. Uh, Elliot tries singing to them like what some the sort of... What was that song, man? What? I've As ri- if that's going to make him think that you're normal. normal. Yeah, I've written it that he tries a sort of siren song to entice them to open the door. <laughs> yeah, we're okay. We're not infected. Here's a shit song, sung really shitly by me, yeah. who can't sing for shit. Can we come in now? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's quite the opposite. Yeah, because the two teenagers start acting like cunts. Josh yells, open the door, bitch. Yeah, and he says, no, no, no. They, they're, they're only joking. Stop kicking at the door, shouting at the people inside. Josh calls the guy refusing to let them in a pussy. And the guy responds in typical American fashion by shooting the two teenagers dead. <laughs> well, if somebody's knocking on your door, I think and you're, allowed, you're allowed to shoot. Yeah, it makes Christmas a fucking perilous time, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Trick or treat. <laughs> and, uh, yes, and Halloween. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a shocking time. But still, uh, at this occasion... Fair enough. They were annoying. Yeah. Shoot him dead. Yeah, he shoots, um, opens the front door, shoots Josh through the chest, flies back. And then uh, Jared, who's just like sort of saying, oh, look, I can see someone in there, uh, gets fucking shot point blank in the head. Yeah, right in the head with a shotgun. Nice one. Elliot goes and stands over Jared, whose fucking whole head would just be splattered all over the fucking grass by now and says... I'm going to get us out of this nightmare. <laughs> yeah. It says, are you okay? <laughs> yeah, are you all right? Are you okay, Jared? Like, what's left of Jared gives a single fuck what happens to Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> just, just puts his thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> it's alive. It's alive. It's alive. Everyone starts crying and we cut to two grannies in a gas mask, knitting and watching the news. Yeah, it's some news. It's intercut. It's like some militants. They're tooling up. They're getting armed and everything. Nobody knows what it is. Nobody's telling us what it is. It's just a load of people reacting how they react. 
It's important to point out that, that our heroes don't see this news report. It's just us, the audience. And it's a scientist suggesting that judging from the severity and the number of the attacks and assuming some similarities to other kinds of natural toxins like ocean algae, <gasps> the attacks will peak at 9am the next day and very quickly fall away to nothing following that, which is what Mark Wahlberg like, theorised when he talked about the crest of it earlier on. We even get a little graph to show you the toxic activity. Yeah, or projected thereof. Anyway, El- uh, Elliot, Alma and Jess, they didn't see that news bulletin, only us. We're too, uh, they're too busy trying to break into an old house with no power, which they think is abandoned. Yeah, he says, wait here. And she pulls a really stupid fucking face as he walks off. Mm-hmm. I hated her face in this film, yeah. man. What the hell? I just hated her in general in yeah, this film. Yeah, it's just... I didn't, I didn't like it, because she's actually quite an attractive woman. And, uh, you know... I mean, she is actually... I mean, she's good in other things. That's what I mean. She yeah. is good in and other she's stuff. she's funny in other stuff. this, fucking hell. Yeah, but no one comes out of this with any... You know, actually, I take that, I take that back, because the only person that does come out of it with any dignity... Is this old woman Betty Buckley, the actress who yeah, plays the I, old I woman? I thought she was good as this. Yeah, she is good. Fucking hell's going on. But I liked it. She's a uh, an award winning theatre actor who plays this old woman in this. She lives there and she's sitting in a rocking chair on the side of the house. She offers them in for supper. She she asked Mark Wahlberg the question, which I think was the first thing I ever asked you, Ken, which is why are you eyeing my lemon drink? <laughs> <laughs> And Mark Wahlberg has no idea how to answer that question. Nor did I. <laughs> yes, I remember. Yeah. Uh, they have supper anyway. Which, uh, I suppose the kindly thing to do would be to invite you in for supper, she says. Yeah, she's got no power. Uh, is she making <laughs> fucking... No, like, as in no like electricity? <laughs> no. <laughs> like Arnie. <laughs> I thought you were saying that in an Arnie voice. <laughs> no, she's like, she's got nothing. How she made dinner? What are they having? Just a sandwich. Just grass from outside. (laughs) (laughs) It just made me wonder how she does any of it. Yeah. You know, she never had a cup of tea in her life. Well, she said she like makes, she makes everything that she eats, but then the bread is clearly not like her. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) how, How would you make the bread if you haven't got any power? Yeah. You've got to have some power to make bread. You don't just like put all the ingredients in a bowl and hope it makes bread. What you do, Ken, You've got to you, heat it. Uh, so how do you heat it without any power? I'll tell you exactly what you do. You put all the ingredients in a bowl, mix mm-hmm. it up with your hand, and then just throw it in your own face <laughs> and then just catch That's whatever. That's how I eat Alpen. Uh, that is, yes, you're right. <laughs> I eat muesli like that. I found out Ken eats muesli that way. He just <laughs> puts his hand into the dry box. Yeah, and just throw it with my mouth open. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, throw it into my own face and hope I get enough nutrients. <laughs> <laughs> I remember seeing you do that at work. Yeah, yeah, caused quite a stir at the time. But yeah, that's how he's supposed to, isn't it? I, I don't know. I didn't take any lessons, did I? No. Well, who teaches you that? Nobody. You sort of find that out on your own. Yeah, those sort and of that's things. how I figured it out. Life lessons, kids. Yep. They have supper anyway, and the old woman tells them about a spring house in the back that was used to hide people from slave chasers. It also has a speaking tube running under the ground to the main house so that you can hear each other like you're in the same room. It seems totally unnecessary to tell anyone this. It must be a superfluous point and will never come back into play. Hot dogs and slave chasers. That's <laughs> M. Night Shirt. <laughs> yeah, that was his album. Uh, <laughs> we were in head to head with one of ours. <laughs> it's alive! It's alive! It's alive!
The old woman asks about their relationship as Jess reaches out for a biscuit that's on the table, saying about who's chasing who. Like, there's always in a relationship, there's always one chasing the other, and Mark Wahlberg raises his hand. And then they all have a little laugh, and then yeah, the woman... Because Alice is like, aww. Yeah. Because she ain't going to fucking say anything. She doesn't give a shit if they live or die. She screams at him to, this is our relationship, it's private. Don't <laughs> fucking Stop speak. telling this old bitch everything. Yeah. Oh, the old woman uh, ends up slapping the hand of uh, Jess, who's reaching for one of the cookies. Yeah, don't take what's not yours. That's what she says. Yeah, it is what she says, yeah. And uh, as shocked as everybody is, nobody says that that's uh, unnecessary or, in fact, inappropriate. Yeah. Until, uh, until they're alone later on, then she moans about it, you know, like, oh, I couldn't have done anything. Yeah, she gives a... Um, Elliot the stink eye, and he yeah. just changes the subject, saying, uh, oh, do you have a radio? And she says, I don't have a radio. I'm completely cut off from the outside world. Yeah. I grow my own food. I make my own clothes. I eat my own shit, and I wear my own dick. <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't make sense, but that's how I live here. However, don't tell me anything that's happening in the outside world, because I don't want to know. I don't give a shit. I hate you all. I wish you were dead. Please, let me show you to your rooms. She's a bit of a contradiction, to be honest, this woman. Yes. <laughs> I'm not really sure what the hell's going on. Still, they think, well, we will stay. Thank you. You've been ever so nice. Yeah. Apart from slapping the kid and telling us we're all twats. <laughs> Apart from that, thank you very much. We You're will all accept. right in my book. <laughs> we will accept your hospitality. That's classic British hospitality. <laughs> no, you can't piss on it. <laughs> I won't allow it! <laughs> exactly. Elliot and Alma, they put Jess to bed and they whisper to each other. Alma apologises about going for tiramisu with M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> yeah, as Joey Tribbiani. And she says that she doesn't like the woman that lives there. Elliot tells her that they need to keep Jess safe and this is the best way to do it and they'll head off in the morning. Elliot takes the opportunity to... They, they whisper that to each other. Elliot takes the opportunity to look into the hallway and the old woman is standing there in her nightgown. Yes. She tells him that she heard them whispering... Are you planning on stealing something? Yeah. Are you planning on murdering me? In my sleep? Are you planning on creeping into my room at night like some midnight customer? <laughs> and he says no. And that's the end of that scene. Cut to the morning. Elliot wakes up in the house, uh, totally empty. Goes into the old lady's room. There's a creepy child-sized doll on the bed. Do you know, I liked it because he opens the door a little bit and you can see that it's like there's a doll on the bed. Yeah. And he's like... Little tiny porcelain feet. Mrs. Jones? <laughs> Mrs. Jones! <laughs> Me! Yeah. That's what he does. Yeah. <laughs> Mrs. Mrs. Jones! <laughs> Anyway, no, it turns out that no, it's a fucking massive doll, which he could have seen because you can clearly see those feet aren't real when he yeah. opens the door. And when he opens it and sees the doll and gets halfway in the in the uh, room, he, st he goes, Mrs. Jones? <laughs> Mrs. Jones, Mrs. Jones, Mrs. Jones. <laughs> Me! <laughs> he's off for fuck's sake. <laughs> it's no wonder he's sitting there on his own. Everyone's gone out. <laughs> uh, the old lady appears and starts yelling at him that he's trying to steal her things. And she says that he, Alma, and Jess have to leave yeah. now. And he says, uh, but I'm a teacher. <laughs> he actually does say that. That's his defensive line. He, yeah. He tells her that he's a teacher. Like, oh, in that case, carry on. Yeah, she goes outside into a garden and Elliot follows her out, stopping on the porch and she carries on into a vegetable patch a few feet away. 
Elliot asks her to speak calmly and to try and explain the situation. And as he's doing that, he pauses because he sees that the old woman starts walking backwards. Oh, shit. The wind has taken her. (laughs) (laughs) Elliot cowers inside the house because he's a science teacher, not a cop or a crook, remember? (laughs) Remember this. And the old lady walks around the side of the house, headbutting the walls, and eventually made me laugh out loud when me she too. headbutts the window. Yeah, she but smashes through the window. But it isn't the first time that made me laugh. It's the second time <laughs> where it's from sort of the side view of yeah. it. And it looks like just a mannequin in it a wig with its her, head. Is it? yeah, yeah, just smashing through it. And the I thought the first mental. one was all right. Yeah. I thought the first one was funny. And then the second one was absolutely bloody brilliant. I was actually wondering, like, is this like where he got the idea for like the visit from with like just creepy old people? Because yeah. he, he does that really well with her just no, outside I, I, the door. I thought it was and good. Yeah, yeah. I like this bit. She's actually, as I say, she's the best thing in the film. And then she's like walking around the side of the house. You see, he looks in a mirror and sees her walking past a window. I thought that yeah. was good as well. But like her smashing through the second window where that it's clearly just funny. a mannequin going yeah. through with the wig, like the hairs flying everywhere. Fucking hell, that made me laugh. That was so funny. <laughs> he runs through the house trying to find Alma and Jess. Um, we're assuming that she's died, by the way. And we can hear them, but he doesn't know where they are. He thinks he hears them in the cellar, but he goes in and he can't see them the hell's going on in here hang on a minute do you remember earlier on when she said there was a spring house where people used to hide from slave traders and like you can hear there's a pipe all the way through that you can hear them like they were in the same room no oh yeah i do remember that yes Yes, sorry yeah yeah that's what's happening they're in the other house you know because why wouldn't you take the kid into the slave house (laughs) you know for a bit of fun (laughs) yeah (laughs) in the middle of the morning when you know that everything's going on and everyone's dead, you'd be like, hey, let's go and fuck around in this little bit. What a coincidence after they spoke about it just that night. Oh, wow. He explains that the toxins now seems to be set off by even one person alone. That's what he says through the speaking tube no, to them. There's no coming back from that. He says it's too dangerous to go outside, and then Alma tells him that she wishes that he was here with them. Yeah, close the windows, close the doors. Even though they're like little ramshackle, bloody made of wood with holes in whatever, but still do this. Yeah. He says, when she says, I, I wish you were there with me, he says, me too, and, and starts fingering his ring again. Yeah, she does the same. Uh, we get a close-up of it, and... Uh, From him, not her. <laughs> yes, and uh, we see it's turned an orangey colour, his ring. My God. Orange means he's fingered it too much, apparently. <laughs> Orange is the point of... Uh, no return. Too much fingering. <laughs> we'll kill you. Every time. (laughs) (laughs) That beautiful song by Brian May. Uh, Elliot reminds her of their first date, which once I'd written down the dialogue, Ken, it actually reads like a conversation from Fifty Shades of Grey. (laughs) Allow me. Okay, but if I get too horny, we're going to have to go. She smiles, remembering it was the first time he had showed her his ring. Your ring turned purple when you slipped your finger in, laughs Elliot. Then you said that means you're in love, replies Alma. It got you to talk, didn't it, smirks Elliot. Then we checked the little paper chart and it turned out I was horny, (gasps) says Alma. Crikey. You loved that. I had no idea, says Elliot. Your ring was blue, (laughs) says Alma. What colour should our rings be for love? Didn't she say that 
a blue ring meant peaceful. Yes. A peaceful <laughs> He was ring. at peace at the time, yes. <laughs> His ring was peaceful. <laughs> yes, I would describe Mark Wahlberg's ring as peaceful. Whereas I would describe Zoe Deschanel's ring as horny. <laughs> <laughs> what colour should our rings be for love? Says Zoe Deschanel. And he says, what is love? <laughs> he cries and says... I don't remember. And she says, Me neither. Elliot decides that if he's going to die, he doesn't want to die alone whilst he fingers his own ring. Or doing a carradine, as it's known. (laughs) (laughs) Hunter-Glan combat. (laughs) Oh, We might have to cut that one. I don't think so. (laughs) Uh, They all leave their safe hiding places and walk out into the middle of the garden. Yeah, he says, I'm going to come and be with you. And she says, okay, I'll bring the kid. Yeah, against her will, (laughs) if she wants to or not. Because if we're going to be killing ourselves, we might as well bring the child. Yeah. Uh, They walk into the middle of the garden, close-up shot of them holding hands. There's wind, wind in the trees as they walk together. The winds blow in, but nothing happens. We get a caption telling us that it's 9.58am, therefore they've ridden out the crest of the infection. And I actually thought that it would have been a better ending, Ken, I don't know what you think about it, but I thought it would have been a better ending if they'd have kept that closer with them holding hands. And then we see them start to walk backwards until they lose their grip from each other and then they end the film. So basically telling you that they did die, but they chose to be together in the last... I thought it would be better if it finished about an hour ago. <laughs> it was like a, like a half-hour episode of a sitcom or something. Why can't we be friends? Just the, as the ending credits. What are you doing about this? <laughs> Says Joey. Could you have been any more suicidal? <laughs> Says Chandler. Yeah. <laughs> and Ross That's is funny. like, my dick doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever his catchphrase was. I think that was it, yeah. I think it was, I don't know. Anyway, three <laughs> My dick doesn't work is the greatest misremembering of a catchphrase. I think he said that one. He doesn't even fucking have a catchphrase, does he? <laughs> three months later, and they're all living back in Philly. I tell you what, they, they go back inside. They go back inside the house. It's like they've never even seen that house before. The way they all look around, like... I mean, it does have a fucking dead old woman hanging through the fucking window this time, I suppose. <laughs> it actually looks nothing like it did earlier anyway. I thought yeah. they'd gone to a new house. It's like changing rooms, isn't it? Grand designs. Yeah, it just looked like somebody quickly nipped in, done it all up, whilst they were outside, up. dying. Anyway, yeah, it looks a lot nicer now. Yeah, but then cut three months later. They're all living back in Philly, which looks, you know... Back to normal, you see like cars driving past and yeah. all that sort of stuff. It's the first day the schools have reopened. Uh, Jess is off to school by bus. I will make sure she packs her picture of John Leguizamo to take with her. Uh, do you do? I I did the same. I was going to say, do you still do the same thing with your daughter? I do indeed. Yes. Make sure she has her. Trusty... I did it with uh, my son. He's uh, he's fifteen now, though, so he packs his own picture of John Leguizamo. You've taught him well. Exactly. He's printed loads of them out. <laughs> he changes it up every week. 
Nice. Keep Alma, it fresh. Alma's doing a pregnancy test. It's positive. Uh, yeah, yeah. She's annoying doing that as well, isn't she? Where she's like trying to anything. be comedic. Yeah. yeah. She's like, oop, doop, doop, I tell you what else is She might as well just be going, doop, 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 doop. And she's looking away and looking back and looking away and looking back. And like, Fuck off. I tell you what else is really annoying is when she's outside and she doesn't say anything. She's just swinging her arms oh, about. Jesus. When Mark Wahlberg's walking up the street. Yeah. And Mark Wahlberg reacts like how I think I would react if I, if uh, like a girlfriend of mine was doing that in the street. He yeah. just stops and just stares at her. Yeah. Like, what the fuck are you doing? What would be better if at that point he started walking backwards? But not because of this, <laughs> but just to get the fuck out of there because she was a mental case. <laughs> And then he just turned around. He turned around fully and ran off at top speed. <laughs> that was why it would have been a better ending. That would have been. That was better than mine. <laughs> I, I was trying to make mine sort of like poignant. <laughs> Yours no. is just like more like realistic. Yeah, mine's just like what would happen. And she carries on doing like the arm swinging, but really rapidly. Yeah. So like... her arms are like flying about. <laughs> Yeah, just flailing around in the air. <laughs> yeah, just and her yeah. head's bobbing from side to side. Yeah, her eyes are massive. Yeah. But anyway, no, yeah, we also get a scientist. We do, but uh, I will say that, uh, yeah, she's outside. She gives fucking, through just the, the sheer acting ability of the two of them, we find out that she tells Elliot that um, she's pregnant, he's delighted, they hug. Meanwhile, on the TV, we get a scientist warning that the event was like a red tide. That the planet is rejecting humans as a pest, and that ultimately it's an act of nature, and we'll never understand it. So fuck it. I like the fact that um, the news reporter who's, who's asking the questions of the scientist says, "We've got a question here from Kay, who says, how come it started and st- is to spread rapidly at eight thirty-three on Tuesday, yet finished very suddenly at nine twenty-seven the <laughs> next morning?" And he's just like. What the fuck am I supposed to know? Jesus Christ, Kay, how about that for your bloody, like, spot-on details? Like, Kay's there with, like, 8.33, write that down. Write that down <laughs> in case I've got a question tomorrow. Oh, yeah, finish at 9.27, has it? Right, well, wait until I get a hold of the news reporters. I'll be asking about why. Who gives a fuck? Yeah. Just be happy it's finished. Jesus Christ, Kay. The scientists have got more things to worry about than why exactly at this time did it start and why exactly at that time did it finish. Fucking hell. Leguizamo's dead, for God's sake. We cut to the gardens. At the anyway, Kay, if you are listening, <laughs> fair enough for asking, yeah. Cut to the gardens at the Louvre in uh, Paris. <laughs> Louvre. Uh, two guys are walking, discussing plans after work that evening. Cue a distant scream. One guy starts to repeat his words about a bike. Yeah, about his bicycle. One guy gives us one of my favourite lines of the film, <laughs> which was simply, Mon Dieu. <laughs> yes, one of our old. <laughs> which I've always enjoyed um, the, the French exclamations, but Mon Dieu is superb. As this is all happening, we, we carry on with the, the TV report. So we also have another question from Dom from the UK, and it is, what would you rather have, hot dogs for fingers or Mark Wahlberg as a penis? The credits roll, the film ends, and we never get an answer to that question. We don't, which is weird, because I offered an answer, and I'm not a scientist. Well, that's the classic. Not yet. 
That's the classic M. Night twist, though, isn't it? Yeah. You never find out. That is the question. That's the question, not only, not only for the scientists, but a question for you, the viewing public. And I think it's the question that he wanted you to come away with from the film. Mm-hmm. It's certainly what I've taken from it. I didn't take anything else from it. If you have an answer to that question, then please do get in contact with us. No context, just comment with either hot dog fingers or Mark Wahlberg penis <laughs> on social media. Thank I, you. I, I think you can probably hashtag or, in fact, uh, give him a Photograph. tag. Give him oh. a tag of Mark Wahlberg. Yes. See if we can get him involved. <laughs> See if he gets enough notifications as Mark Wahlberg penis that he actually thinks, what is this all about? And looks us up and finds out. Yes. <laughs> it's a joke we made in an episode of a podcast. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, I'm sure he's got nothing else to do. <laughs> Apart from check his social media. Probably pay another fucking exactly. copper a crook. Someone's out there. Someone's out there checking Wahlberg's uh, notifications. He's definitely not paying a fucking science teacher after this. The end. It's alive. It's alive. It's alive. And with that, I guess this is the perfect time to bring this podcast to a close. Ken's getting up and walking backwards for some reason. Get yeah. Ken. 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 <laughs> I see in... Little silhouette of a man. Scaramouche, scaramouche. <laughs> Shall I do the fandango? You can also find us on Twitter. <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> we'll sing that for you as well, if you like. Facebook and Instagram. You want to discuss this week's episode with other court members? You can. You just need to search for Bad Movie Court Discussion Group on Facebook. All links, as always, will be available in the show notes. And if you enjoyed the podcast episode and you're wondering how the hell do we support these young bucks? These, these sexy young fuckers. These sexy, slimy... Stoty. <laughs> Slimy. <laughs> it's sly old foxy stoat. Sly old foxy stoty Mark Wahlberg dicked young studs. If you're wondering that, all you need to do is follow, like, or subscribe to us on whatever platform it is that you listen to us on. It's that simple. It's easy. And if you can leave us a rating or review on that platform, that's even better. It helps us get found by new listeners and lets us know that you you love us. Because that's all we truly... It's we, all we really want. We're just looking for appreciation. We just want acceptance. And constant praise. <laughs> oh yes, if you can offer constant praise, please do. You can also find all previous episodes as well as written reviews of films not covered on the podcast on our website. That's www.badmoviecult.com We will be back next week when we'll be back with another movie review, deep dive and maybe even a film picture if you're lucky. Right here on the Bad Movie Court podcast, thank you for listening and thank you to my co-host, Kenby Wilde. Thank you and thank you. See you next week. Goodbye. Dominic Lawton. Kenby Wilde. Welcome to the Bad Movie Cult. However, don't tell me anything that's happening in the outside world because I don't want to know. I don't give a shit. I hate you all. I wish you were dead. Please, let me show you to your rooms.